fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Hey, it is a post-Monday celebration. Greatest day of the entire week, man. We are ready to rock and roll for another one. Are you excited? Are you feeling the groove? You see the light at the end of the tunnel for a post-Monday. The celebration continues all going throughout the week. We just carpe diem all over this place the way we do every single day. We have a lot to talk about, man. Holy cow, welcome into it. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Welcome aboard. Broadcasting out of the heart of the nation in Wichita, Kansas, our flagship radio station, KQAM, The Big Talker, as they host us every single day here throughout the week on multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. Bottom of the hour today, we have a personal attorney for Donald J. Trump. William Scharf, he's also candidate for Attorney General in the great state of Missouri. We'll have him on the program to talk about the campaign. We'll talk about immigration issues, the post-Washington, D.C., if you want to call it that, after the immigration bill from last week that failed miserably and uh, some individuals not liking that too much. So we'll talk about what that means for the immigration debate moving forward, and we'll talk about the campaign a little bit as well. Have you heard the big news of the day today, though? I know that there's a lot of stuff going on, and you can speculate what that big news may be, but did you know that if you have COVID-19, you no longer have to isolate as long as you were told to do so before? That it's <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? That was a question that was asked to Corrine Jean-Pierre as the CDC has updated their guidelines. And she gives us the typical Corrine Jean-Pierre response to an issue like that. Washington Post is reporting that the CDC is expected to shift its COVID isolation guidance, uh, saying that you don't have to isolate once you're fever-free for 24 hours and symptoms are mild and improving. Does the White House feel this is long overdue? So, look, I, I saw that reporting. I uh, want to be really careful because CDC is going through their pro- process. They're going to decide the guidelines, so I don't want to get ahead of that. Uh, so let's, let's let uh, CDC go through their process. I just don't want to get ahead of it. What that. a great answer. Man, did you did you hear the detail that she was given? Did you hear the clarification that she gave us? The response of the Biden administration. She is the spokesperson for the executive branch of the federal government. The executive branch, the White House, the Biden administration. She is the spokesperson for them to let us know exactly their stance on issues. And the question was asked, where do you stand, Biden administration, on the CDC changing their guidelines? Now, we are, what, we're coming up on four years, right? It's 24 to 2024, right? It is 2024, and the outbreak happened in 2020. So we're coming up on four years from the pandemic kicking off, and we're finally being told from the government that you don't need to actually isolate as bad as you were doing before where it was like two weeks off to make sure everything was good. Now it's like, yeah, for a couple of days until your fever starts going away. Is the <laughs> I know, right? That's the new guideline for COVID-19. Once the fever starts going away and you start feeling better, yeah, you can get back to work. You're good. I don't know what changed. Maybe COVID just like stopped being as dangerous or severe. Or maybe we didn't have to do the first thing in the first place by doing the whole two weeks off, even if you feel fine and don't have any symptoms or issues. I don't know, because now we're starting to treat this one like like everything else, like the flu. If you have the flu, then when you have a fever, you probably shouldn't be at work because when you're feverish is when you're actually spreading things and you get sick and you don't feel good and your muscles ache and you feel meh. And then when that stuff goes away and you break the fever, you may still feel like garbage a little bit, but the worst part of it's over and you can get back to functioning in the real world. We're starting to treat COVID like that. But if you say that it's comparable to something like the flu, then people are dying in the streets. We're all going to die because of you! 
Yeah, especially if you did get the vaccine as well. So there's that. But there it is, the CDC officially changing their guidelines on what to do if you have COVID-19, because now it's not as bad. The question is now, are they setting up for a disease X, whatever that may be, moving forward to scare us into the next lockdowns during the COVID-19 or during election season of 2024? All right, let's get into what's trending here, shall we? We have a few things to talk about. A few things. What's trending today? Let's go to Washington, D.C. I know that we usually like to talk about policy, but I want to step back for just a moment. Do you remember all the way back when? Like years ago, like tons of years ago, like, I don't know, five years ago when Donald Trump was still in office. You remember that time? It was a troubling time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the time when Donald Trump was in office and the media never gave him the fair fight. They never gave him a fair question. And they always had to complain and bicker about something that Donald Trump was doing while in office. That was the same time where, if you remember, a doctor by the name of Ronnie Jackson, that was the White House doctor at the time, that would do the annual checkup on Donald Trump. And if you remember again during that time, I know we're in politics and I know that sometimes we have short term memory loss. So we don't remember things that happened more than like a month ago in politics because there's always the new sexy thing to talk about in the mainstream media. And they don't want us to remember these things. But let's go all the way back and let's dive into our memories. I will hypnotize you now for just a moment to where you can expand those thought processes and remember what happened all the way back when. If you remember at that time, there was a doctor by the name of Ronnie Jackson who did the annual screenings of Donald Trump. He did the physical test, did the cognitive test, did everything to make sure that you're fit to be president. So that way, the 25th Amendment does not have to be invoked on a president when the mainstream media at that time and the Democrats were screaming for the invocation of the 25th Amendment because that he's wandering the hallways in the middle of the night. He's not sleeping. He's tweeting out at 2 a.m. as president of the United States. He's weird. He's strange how he's not sleeping. So they wanted a cognitive test. And there's no way that he could be healthy with eating all the McDonald's and fast food that Donald Trump eats. And if you remember, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, the White House doctor at the time, did the cognitive test, did the physical test, went out and did a four-hour interview with the mainstream media. Vastly different than what we see with Corrine Jean-Pierre and the White House staff briefings that go on right now because we don't get anything like that response from her. I'm not going to get into it. They're changing their status quo. They're changing their guidelines. We're not gonna... Reporting. I uh, want to be really careful because CDC is going through their pro- process. They're going to decide the guidelines, so I don't want to get ahead of that. Uh, so let's, let's let uh, CDC go through their process. I just don't want to get ahead of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get into that. I'm not going to give you any information. That's the detail, the level of detail that we get from the Biden administration. Under the Trump administration, we would hold like four-hour-long press here in the press room. Donald Trump would go in there. Mike Pence would go in there for his COVID-19 task force. We had uh, Dr. Fauci in there for a while. We had the doctor in there like this Ronnie Jackson that was in there for a while. And there was like a three or four hour interview with Dr. Ronnie Jackson because the media was adamant that Donald Trump had a cognitive inability to perform as president. And when Dr. Jackson came out, he gave his review and said that, well, you know what? After screening Donald Trump, He's a little bit older, obviously, but he is fit as a fiddle. He has no major health issues whatsoever, and he passed the cognitive IQ test without a, without a flinch. Completely fine. Not a problem whatsoever. And the media harped on him for hours trying to catch him up on something. Is he really fit to be president? Is he really able to do this? Is he really going to be able to do the president of the United States? And the whole job was, yeah, he was completely fine, not 
a problem whatsoever. They did the highest cognitive uh, IQ test that they possibly could. Donald Trump wanted that and then rubbed it in their face. This one, however, after an investigation on the Biden administration and with the uh, criminal case that was heard about Joe Biden and about how he is a old man who has memory loss and has maybe some good intentions but doesn't remember a whole lot of details so we're not going to criminally charge him because they wouldn't he wouldn't know what he's being criminally charged with because of his memory loss that's how bad it is he's up for later this week in just a few days by the end of this week he's up for his annual screening from the current white house doctor and do you think that we're going to see the response and the results from that test when at the same time, according to Kareem Jean-Pierre, they say that he's not going to be tested at all in his cognitive abilities. They're not even going to test him for his cognitive state at all, because according to Kareem Jean-Pierre, not from the doctor directly, but according to Kareem Jean-Pierre, that he proves his cognitive ability every single day by just showing up and doing the job. Now, showing up and doing the job is fine, when I guess you get out of bed at like 10 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock in the morning and then you work for a couple hours and then you're on the golf course at the beach by like three in the afternoon. I guess that's a, a day's job as the leader of the free world. But nonetheless, that's what they say. And they say that they probably will not be releasing the results to the public, nor will they have the doctor speak in front of the press to be able to answer any questions. And some, like Mark Green, congressman from the state of Tennessee, says that that's not acceptable. I think with all the incredible gaffes and, uh, you know, loss of focus that the president's had on national, international media when he was in Vietnam, that incident, I think we need to know his uh, the report on his mental condition. Th- this is the hardest job in the world, being president of the United States. We need someone whose faculties are, are 100% on all the time. And it doesn't look like this guy's are. And, uh, you know, even from a physician's standpoint, the, the symptoms, the way he speaks, the pressured speech sometimes, uh, it, it's not appropriate, and we need to know. Mm. That audio from Fox News, by the way. So uh, according to KJP, we're not going to see any of the results. We're not going to get to talk to the doctor, although they demanded that the Trump doctor sit out there for hours on end to answer questions that were completely and utterly absurd. The notion that that Joe Biden may be removed from the ballot is growing, but they don't want the cat out of the box yet. They don't want that bubble to be bursted as of yet. Joe Biden says he's not going anywhere. There are Democrats that are speculating behind the scenes on what could happen, and it could come all the way down to the convention that's happening in June to boot him off and then to elect somebody at that, which, of course, the speculation then is who's that going to be. There, According to Fox News, there's like five different candidates right now, all of them that we've essentially talked about, Gavin Newsom, Michelle Obama, Gretchen Whitmer, and, um, well, I mean, Vice President Kamala Harris. That's about it. I mean, that's really the names that are floating out there because they have really nobody else. But now they're starting to use the hit piece from the media to say that, no, 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 he's not going anywhere. We don't want this type of information out there. Just because he may have some cognitive hiccups doesn't mean that he's actually going anywhere. According to Politico.com, there's a new column that says, get used to it. Biden isn't going anywhere. The GOP fantasy crowd is so accustomed to conspiracy theories that they're betting the Democrats will switch candidates at the last minute. Have they actually paid attention to politics? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so there's that. So now we have just that breadcrumb for the conflicting reports. They have the breadcrumb out there trying to preserve the legacy of the Democrat Party, trying to preserve the quote-unquote, I say this in air quotes here for the radio listeners, the strength of the Democrat Party right now going into an election where they have a solid leader that they can get behind. 
And just because there's one investigative report that shows that he doesn't have a whole lot of memory, so therefore he can't really perform the duties of the job, which is the main concern of someone who is the leader of the free world and pretty much handles all of the issues and the head of the executive branch, you would think that would be something of relative importance if you can't remember details, you can't remember dates, you can't remember who you talk to, you start talking about how Mexico is over in like Africa or something. Like If you have those problems, then that probably is a sign that you shouldn't be leading the free world. But according to Politico, they don't want that out there. So, no, 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 get used to it. He's here to stay, and he's not going anywhere. And if that's the case, then we have to ask the question, at what level are we at in society if that's what's going to be the best for the nation, number one? Number two, is that, that is that the best that the Democrat Party has? Because, well, he beat Donald Trump once. He's, he's the only one that has a record of beating Donald Trump. Therefore, we have to find a way to keep him. I've joked about for years now in this program that Operation Joe Biden trips down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe will commence at some point where he accidentally gets bumped at the top of the stairs and falls on down, in a metaphorically speaking manner. But if that's the case, it has to be soon, but they don't have the replacement as of yet. So until they find that replacement, they have to stabilize the Democrat Party, give them security that we're going through a primary season right now that actually has the legitimate candidate before we actually get to the conference or the convention in june where all of the primary season becomes essentially null and void and they have to choose a different candidate making you the voter in the democrat party completely irrelevant for the next few months this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. The concern of the Democrat Party right now. The desperation to try and hold it together. No, no, no. He's not going anywhere. Believe me, he's not being replaced. Imagine if you were a Democrat voter that uh, voted in whatever primary, fill in the blank state that you may be in, and then, of course, you go to the convention in June, and they're like, yeah, yeah, he's not fit to do this. We need to move on here. And then they vote for somebody else. How offended would you be? I mean, you should already be upset that you have, like, super delegates, the elected officials of Democrats having a super delegate vote that's overriding your vote in the first place anyways. So there is that, but kind of hilarious how democrats they they enjoy it they enjoy having the nanny state they enjoy having someone else tower over them telling them how to live their lives psychologically man that's kind of messed up if you know what i mean uh speaking of have you heard there is a new i'm trying to find the right article here here we go according to the university of missouri i want to go to a neighboring state where i'm based out of here in kansas and according to fox news they have now come up with the total number for how much the University of Missouri feels that they're owed when it comes to reparations at the university. Not, <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, I know. Now, that is not, uh, I'm talking the reparations to like building the university, starting it in the 1800s. They feel that they have the need of demanding reparations. The weird part is they'll probably get it. With the way things are right now with the Biden administration, with Kamala Harris as VP, uh, that they could potentially get that. According to Fox News, descendants of the enslaved black people who built the University of Missouri calculated that they were owed 
get this one, up to $74 billion, with a B, $74 billion in unpaid labor expenses. According to the calculation that was done by St. Louis's university campus, they say an effort being pushed by the descendants of the St. Louis University enslaved, the O-S-L-U-E, that was joined by state lawmakers, civil rights attorneys, and economists to announce their estimation of the monetary value of unpaid labor. Based on the labor for 24 hours per day, 365 days per year for 70 enslaved people from 1823 to 1865, according to the economist Julian Melvoux, estimated $365 million in unpaid labor that it's owed. Furthermore, the overtime, adding interest overtime, amounts to $70 billion. I have a simple question to ask you. If you have over $70 billion in unpaid uh, labor, who does that go to? Because I'm pretty sure the people that built the university in the 1820s probably, I could be wrong, I could be wrong, probably are not still alive right now. Just throwing that out there. So if they don't get it, then who do they get it? The descendants of? Because the descendants didn't work that, did they? And the descendants, how do you know that they were oppressed in some way? How do we How do we know that? I mean, we just had, uh, what's her name, Sunny from The View that came out and did a DNA test. And while she may be black and she talks about how uh, victimized she is in society for being African-American and having darker skin and all the racism that she has to deal with and how we are living in a systematic racist nation right now and how she's seen things, even though she's on The View making millions of dollars, she's seen things that uh, that she has now done a DNA test and found out that down the lineage that her ancestors were actually from Spain and actually held slaves. They actually owned slaves. And even with that information, even with that, the fact that she is a descendant of slave owners, she has come out and said that she still advocates for the concept of reparations. How do you do that? Do you pay yourself? Because obviously if you're dark-skinned, you have some slave from one side, but you're also part slave owner uh, from the descendant side as well. So do you pay yourself? How does that work? You pay $20 into the system, you get like 25 back. Like I don't know how this process works. But according to the University of Missouri, they are owed $74 billion for reparations for the slaves that built that. I'm wondering if Native Americans are owed something. I wonder if Native American tribes owe different Native American tribes reparations for when they enslaved other Native American tribes. I'll have to consult you back on that one. We'll be back in just a minute. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time on multiple radio stations all over the place. I had a caller, by the way, during the break that called in. And here's the thing. For those, just a reminder, I I wish I could take phone calls. I would really love to. I don't take phone calls on the program just because we have other radio stations at Aris that aren't live And in fact, the only place I am live right now is here in our flagship in our home base here in Wichita, Kansas. So uh, all of my callers would be from Wichita when we air in many other places as well. So I don't take phone calls, but I did take a call off the air. And the solution, according to the listener, great idea, was that we should just allow allow them to open up a, a casino. 
just open <laughs> open up a casino and make all the money. And look, I mean, that sounds fantastic. There you go. I, I bet you could make a, you know, what amount of money with something like that. But how do we try to con- contain ourselves with $74 billion in reparations, according to the University of Missouri, by saying that that's what they're owed based on reparations for those that built the university back in the 1820s. And if you do, then who do you pay that to? Because obviously, if you pay it to the descendants, then the descendants obviously aren't pure bloodlines. I mean, we talked about Sonny from The View, where, yeah, she's black, she's darker skin, but at the same time, she just, the the DNA test and found out that she had slave-owning descendants as well. So do you pay yourself? Like, what do you do here? You give them the money to open the casino, and then they spend all the money by gambling on their own casino. Maybe that's what you do. Just cycle the money back and forth. We live in very strange times, my friend, and now we apparently owe everybody. I asked the question that if, you know, if we're doing the reparations thing, then do we have Native American tribes pay reparations to other Native American tribes who they enslaved before the white man even got here? Like, do we do that? Huh. Makes your brain hurt just a little bit, doesn't it? Let's shift gears a little bit, shall we? What's trending today? Might have to get our next guest's uh, thoughts on this as well. Coming from and hailing from the great state of Missouri, he's a uh, personal attorney for Donald Trump, also candidate for the Attorney General's Office for the great state of Missouri. Excited to have on with us on the program today, Mr. Will Scharf. Will, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Doing great. Great to be with you. Yeah, excited to have you on here. First off, congratulations on the can- uh, candidacy run. I know that you're in campaign mode right now, but I, ha- I have to ask you about this News, according to Fox News, the University of Missouri is saying they are, they're owed $74 billion in reparations because of the slaves that built it back in the 1820s to the 1860s or whatever it was, that uh, they're, they're owed $74 billion. We need to start coughing up some money, it sounds like. You know, it's just insane to me. The left is trying to set up a new racial spoil system in America where our whole country just gets cut up based on race and people pay each other money. I've got a radical idea for you. How about we just treat human beings as human beings? Every man is created equal. I mean, the core American founding principles that have served us in good stead for so long, I just don't see any reason to disturb that. This is just the latest saga or the latest event in this seeming never-ending leftist saga of race-based politics. Yeah, I don't understand it. The, the weird part is, uh, Will, is that they could probably get that money from the federal government. We could see the Biden administration come out with Kamala Harris out there and these universities and say, yeah, you know what, we're definitely owed that. And we could see them giving them a whole bunch of grants to try and compensate for this, couldn't you? You know, uh, I think it was Alexis de Tocqueville who once said that uh, the American Republic will last until Congress realizes that it can bribe the people with the people's money. And that's where I put this whole reparations argument. The idea, more than anything else, is that Democrats are going to continue paying off groups of voters to ensure that they remain loyal to the Democrats. It's absolutely outrageous. It's totally un-American. Amen to that. Talk about the campaign. How's it going there in Missouri? I know that the attorney general seat is something that is an extremely important race. I follow it here with our, our local stuff in the state of Kansas, all over the country. And I know that there has been a target for the George Soroses and those with money trying to uh, target the attorney generals and county attorney's offices and so on and so forth to be able to start changing the legal side to a more progressive mindset. So how's the uh, campaign going out there in Missouri right now? You know, the campaign's going great. I'm sure you guys see it over the border in Kansas as well. Conservatives are just fired up like I've never seen them before. And if we can keep that energy going into this August when we have our primaries and next November, 
I think conservatives in this state are going to do really well, but it's going to require people to get out, to campaign, to vote, and to make sure we get this done. Because I know and you know that we just can't afford, you know, another few years like the last few years. It's uh, it's really incredible just how bad a pinch these leftist policies have put us into. No, and it's making it worse. I mean, we just saw last week the failing of an immigration bill that was headed up by James Lankford out of Oklahoma that wasn't necessarily the best bill, it sounds like. A lot of conservatives obviously turned away from it. But we have a major crisis, not just with the migration issue, but what that all entails as well with cartels and with gangs and with fentanyl and with human trafficking. Are you guys seeing that in your state as well, trying to battle some of this garbage? Yeah, you know, Missouri's now the number three or four state in the country for human trafficking. Uh, we've got a massive fentanyl problem, particularly in our cities. I was a violent crime prosecutor in St. Louis before I left to do to, to run for office. It's a, it's a huge problem. And, you know, the Langford bill, uh, I, I wasn't a fan. I think it was really badly done. But the important thing to note is that Joe Biden has all the authority he needs right now, today, to solve the problem at the border, to get illegal immigration under control again. And his failure to use that power, his failure to take any decisive action at the border, I think speaks to, you know, speaks to his motives, speaks to what the, the left is looking for here. And it's, uh, it's just really startling how out of control that situation has become uh, in really a pretty short time frame. Yeah. Uh, where's the state of Missouri? Where have you guys stood on when it comes to the, the resolutions that we've seen with many states trying to pass to stand with the state of Texas, them trying to handle this issue on their own front? Obviously, the federal government's not handling it, so the state has to step in and do it when that's really not the duty of the state. But when you have an invasion coming across your border, you have to do something when the federal government then starts fighting against you to allow the illegal process to continue. I mean, what do we do about this as, as individual states right now? Yeah, well, first of all, we need to take back the White House and just put an end to all this. On a state-by-state basis, though, I think Texas is absolutely right. If the federal government's not going to step in, they have every right to, you know, to protect the, the life and liberty and, and well-being of their citizenry. Uh, and I think it's outrageous that the Biden folks seem to be queuing up this massive federal-state fight. Uh, I know the people of Missouri stand with the people of Texas. I think we have some National Guard troops down in Texas right now. And I just, uh, I just hope that we all hang together here because it's, uh, it's an important fight. It's a crucial fight. And if we don't, uh, I think the left is, is just going gonna, gonna to see weakness and see opportunity and, and keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Will Scharf. He's a candidate for the Attorney General for the great state of Missouri. You can find him online at votescharf.com. That's S-C-H-A-R-F. Uh, votescharf.com and you can see the website there with everything how important is it will in your opinion is for the attorney general's seat obviously one of the highest legal seats in the state how important is it for that position if you get in there to battle against the federal government when it comes to mandates coming down from the federal level what they try to claim is with supremacy clauses compared to the concept of federalism states making their own decisions at the local level how important is that seat to battle some of that nonsense that's going on in washington dc well, look, you know, I hope that by the time I take office, Joe Biden will be out of office and we won't have nearly the problem that we have. Mm. Uh, I'll say this, though. Chris Kobach, your AG in, in Kansas, is doing an incredible job. He's leading really important litigation fights uh, all over the country against the federal government. I'm a huge admirer of his. Uh, I'd love the opportunity to work with him, uh, to fight with him, and to take a leaf out of his book and, and really start uh, pushing the envelope in terms of holding not just the federal government accountable, 
but also the, the major left-wing dark money nonprofits that are, are sowing so much chaos in our cities and throughout the country. Yeah, amen to that. He's definitely been a firebrand. We are so proud to have him in our attorney general seat here in Kansas. Uh, I'd, I'd have to ask you, we got just a couple minutes left here with Will Scharf. He's the candidate for attorney general in the state of Missouri. I have to ask you about the marijuana thing in Missouri. Candace, we've not done anything with that legalization of medical or recreational at all yet. And we're one of the few states that has not done that. How has that fared out in Missouri so far? Because now Kansas... We're sandwiched between you guys, between Colorado, between Oklahoma, and we're seeing a growing issue here. But how is it going in Missouri after that change in policy? It is going terribly. Uh, I will say this clearly. (laughs) Do not legalize weed. This isn't about medical marijuana. This isn't about people with epilepsy or cancer. Uh, What's happened here is that they, they opened a hole with the medical thing, and then they rammed recreational weed through right after that. We have a huge problem in this state now with impaired driving, uh, with kids developing serious addictions at increasingly younger ages. You talk to any cop on the street, you talk to any medical professional, and they'll tell you that marijuana has been a huge driver of just societal ill uh, since it's taken hold in this state. All over the state, you know, you see these dispensaries popping up oftentimes near schools or near churches. This is not what you want in your communities. I beg you, Kansas, do not legalize weed. Very interesting. It is. It seems to be like every state that's tried to go medicinal, they find the loophole, they just loosen it up, and then very soon, I mean months if not years, short years after that, then that's when we see the recreational side pop right up. That's what happened in your state, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's also been a huge driver of corruption in state government. We've had investigation after investigation after investigation into the way these licenses for dispensaries and grow operations have been handed out. You have a lot of the operations that have been approved under investigation by the state for various unlawful acts. It's been a huge problem. You look to Colorado, they've had a huge issue with increased impaired driving deaths, uh, increased crime. You talk to any cop in the state of Colorado, and I have, and they will tell you that this is one of the greatest mistakes that state has ever made. I think the same is true here in Missouri. Interesting stuff for sure. It's Will Scharf. He's a candidate for attorney general in the great state of Missouri. Find him online at votescharf.com. Will, thank you so much for coming on the program, my friend. We're out of time. I love it. Keep up the good fight. Good luck on the campaign trail. We'd love to get you back on again real soon. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. Good stuff right there. Again, votescharf.com for those uh, great listeners that we have out there in Missouri right now. Good stuff. Fascinating conversation. We'll have him back on again real soon all right we got one more segment right around the corner we have joe biden's exam coming up are you prepared for that one plus these reparations getting just a little bit out of hand we'll get your thoughts and more on that right around the corner stay here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. Thanks again to Will Scharf coming on the program, candidate for attorney general in the state of Missouri. We're going to start getting candidates on from all over the country, wherever we broadcast and beyond to talk about their candidacy and what's going on in the world in their neck of the woods. So appreciate him jumping on. Interesting concepts all around. And uh, we appreciate 
that very much. It's uh, looking at this University of Missouri thing, for example, is just one example around the country of where we're seeing this reparations. California still trying to push this nonsense. We have New York trying to push it now. And if you say anything about it, then, of course, you're racist. And how dare you even question the fact that we're not paying reparations? What I don't understand how the concept works. We, is there an expert? Is there something? Because we'll get them on the program. Is there an expert for someone that can explain how the reparations would break down? Exactly how you could have, you know, if you have a certain percentage of slave uh, being a slave from your descendants in your lineage compared to being slave ownership in your lineage and break that down on how much you're actually owed and with the mixing remember we're a melting pot we are the blending of all cultures all races all individuals together as one because that's what america is that's the beauty of this nation without trying to be purified like so many other nations were and the elites hate that by the way the upper class the elites they hate that stuff and i'm not saying everybody obviously we're covering with a blanket here but they hate the uh, blending of they're, they've been the ones that continue to push for the segregation. The Democrats, the elites, the deep state, they're the ones that want that separation. They want that tension. But if we're all coexisting together, living happily ever after, they can't cause the tension. So they have to continue to keep us divided. We have the suburbs here. We have the inner city over here. We have the you know Chinatown over here. We have the Hispanic community over here. We Everybody's got to live in their little mosaic. We're no longer a melting pot. We're now the mosaic. And they continue to push this kind of garbage. And every chance they get, they see racism on the horizon, they have to push and yell and scream racism. There's a story, and this made national news, based out of Wichita, Kansas, right here, where I'm based out of. There was a story just recently in the last couple of weeks of there was a major, a, a massive statue in front of a baseball field here that was a Jackie Robinson statue, the first black individual that played Major League Baseball. And there was a statue there, and there's an organization that works with them, and so on and so forth. But just recently, the last couple of weeks, the statue was stolen. Been there for years, this massive tall statue of Jackie Robinson. And they see the videotape of a truck pulling up and them cutting the statue down, putting it in the back of the truck and taking it off. The law enforcement here locally in Wichita has been searching for it. They found it just like last week, and they found it burnt to a crisp in one of the parks. And obviously this made national news. Our city councilman here in Wichita made national news, was on CNN, MSNBC, all the other major outlets talking about this issue because everybody screamed racism. Massive race, a racist in Wichita, Kansas, trying to get rid of the the statue of the first black individual that played Major League Baseball, Jackie Robinson. How dare I thought we were past all this. I thought we were past this issue. I thought we were all together, hunky dory. Come to find out, the story just broke today locally. And shockingly, the mainstream media nationally did not talk about this story, but it broke locally here that they found the individual who supposedly stole the statue. And burnt it to a crisp and laid it into the park and crumbled it up into like ash, literal ashes, this metal statue, and broke it into the bits. It wasn't racism, but they say they did it because they wanted to steal the precious metals from it. Like people stealing the parts out of vehicles, out of stealing the tubes out of air conditioner units for the copper. They wanted the precious metals out of the statue, so they stole it and took the metal pieces and then left the rest. Now... That wasn't a racist thing, but that's where everybody's mind went to, both locally and nationally, when we heard about this story, was that it was a racist act that people were upset about this black Jackie Robinson 
that had a statue here in Wichita, Kansas. Why do our minds automatically go there? Oh, must be a racist thing. These people want to get rid of the statue of this black man. Why does our mind automatically go there? Why? For us, it's because we've been conditioned by the mainstream media because that's what they think is really going on. Just like every shooting situation, the mass shooter, oh, they must be a right-wing nut that clings onto their guns and their Bibles. They must be the ones that are actually, you know, the MAGA supporters that hate Democrats that are ready for a civil war. And then come to find out, poof, oh, yeah. It's a Democrat who took a long rifle to try to shoot Republicans on a baseball field. Oh, yeah. It's a Muslim who tried to go and shoot up a gay bar because they didn't agree with that. Oh, yeah. It was a transgender individual that had a long criminal history and weapons charges against them that just shot up the Joel Olstein church down in Texas. Oh, yeah. It's not the conservative Republican clinging to their guns and Bibles preparing for the upcoming whatever may happen. It's the radical nuts that are emotionally unstable. It has nothing to do with racism, but that's where the mind always goes. And that's what Democrats are trying to do. So the racism in Missouri, anybody who doesn't support paying $74 billion to the University of Missouri for reparations, you're racist. You wanted to support slavery that was in the 1800s to build that university. How dare you? It's a crazy world out there. Back at it again tomorrow for the middle of the week. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.